Now, yeah. Mike said uh, he wanted to introduce the amazing speaker, and now I'm up here. So sorry about that. Um, I do need to, uh, you know, in all, in all fairness and balance, last time I got up here to speak, I was crowing about the Cowboys and running down the Redskins. Uh, you know, a few weeks go by, and, well, how about those Nationals? Let's talk about them, right? All right. Um, you know, not to give away the whole, uh, the whole show, but the, uh, the answer to the tr first trivia question is not zero. The Nationals are about to hopefully do something uh, that franchise has never done before. Um, wow. Um, what was I going to talk about today? Oh, right. Well, first of all, a little bit of a typo I put on your uh, um, notes pages, and I apologize to the setup crew because it caused a little bit of confusion there. It's James 3, 1 through 18, not James 1, 9 through 18 today, so uh, sorry about that. Um, we're going to talk about James taming the tongue. Taming the tongue appears in uh, several different translations, you know, as, uh, of, you know, of course, James didn't write these headings in the Bible. We, we came along and did those later in different translations, but this one shows up quite often that we're going to be taming the tongue. I, I kind of broke this up into three sections. Start, he, James starts out with a warning to teachers, then spends uh, several verses talking about the attributes of the tongue and then closes it up talking about two kinds of wisdom. As we go through these uh, slides, um, there's something I want you to be thinking about, and that is, what is the heart of the problem? Now, um, slide masters like myself who are PhDs in PowerPoint know that you can set off a word by changing its font. So you'll notice a, a word in there that's not italicized in my little bumper sticker at the bottom. So, he starts off, a warning to teachers. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's not a great uh, word of encouragement for a guy opening up the Bible to see what he's teaching on in a couple of weeks. Um, so maybe I should just quit right now, because uh, by being up here, um, prayerfully bringing the word of Christ to you, I know that I will be judged more strictly. Is that right? I'm going to have to be careful about what I say. So my prayer has been, Lord, let your words flow through me, right? Certainly my experiences can come out here. I, I don't know if, I'm guessing I'm not the only guy with a problem with my tongue. At least me and James um, thought about it. Probably a few men in between us have also thought about it. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I was the class clown. Um, it turns out that when you get to high school, that makes you kind of the class dork. And uh, as you get into your professional life, it can make you the guy who gets funny looks because, again, you're trying to be the smartest guy, the funniest guy, trying to bring something to people, maybe not always appropriate. Um, so... Those of you who are immune to this problem, you're, consider yourselves blessed. Um, those of you who, who've been more like me in your lives, we know what we're talking about, right? It, it, it can be, it's, it's a burden to carry to be the funniest person in the room. Um, James goes, oh, so what kind of teacher do you want to be? You want to be this guy? Anyone know this guy? Walter White. 
Great chemistry teacher, right? But what's he doing on the side? Cooking up crystal meth. So this is a teacher who might have some judgment coming his way. Uh, this is Breaking Bad, not a show I necessarily recommend. Okay, I just happen to know a little bit of pop culture, and um, it's, uh, yeah, dark. Um, I'd rather be, uh, so I Googled TV teachers, right, because I wanted to get, like, the best and the worst, and, and, and so up came him, and, and then a guy from my past, Mr. Cotter, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, there, there, are, there are young men of a certain age here and below who do not know who this guy is. This is uh, Mr. Cotter, played by Gabe Kaplan back in the probably late 70s. Uh, there with his sweat hogs. Um, you might recognize a young John Travolta there. Vinnie Barbarino, right? So Mr. Cotter was the guy trying to dispense wisdom to these sweat hogs. Um, he always went into uh, life with the uh, desire to spread a, a wise word to guys who were not necessarily always willing to listen. So, hope I'm more of a Mr. Cotter than a Mr. White. So should we all win. But we do stumble, all of us, in many ways. If you're never at fault in one way, you're perfect. Able to keep your whole body in check, writes James. Perfect. Are we supposed to be perfect? Are we, am I standing up here perfect? I don't think so. Um, so I thought, well, that's, that's great. Now I'm, I, I've, all I have to do is strive for perfection. Well, I did a little research on this word that's used for perfect, teleios, used several times in the New Testament, often meaning mature or complete. Now that's something more I can get my hands around. I'm striving to be a complete Christian, a mature Christian. Um, perfection is, some, is a word that's a little tough for me. I know God, can, God will perfect me in his timing, but it's not something I claim that I can attain on my own for sure. This phrase, to keep in check, kalina gogasai, practice that a few times. Very nice Greek word there. To control with a bridle or bit. It's an equestrian term. If you can control your tongue, you're on your way to being a mature Christian, maybe a mature teacher. So um, James offers right here, right up front, his first remedy to taming the tongue or is bridle the tongue. Now this goes back to something I have kind of brought up in, in talks before, this thought of being intentional and of taking thoughts captive. These things come up from inside us and they want to escape our mouths. And I, if you're like me, there's lots of things you just wish you could grab and pull back. Why didn't that stay inside my mouth? Why did it have to come out? Amen. Right? Think before you speak. Right? It, it, we've heard it a, a, a thousand times. It's not the easiest thing to do, but James shares with us this is kind of remedy number one. This is your, your, uh, your backstop here on, on taming the tongue is just not letting those things out of your, out of your uh, mouth. And then you're on your way to being a mature Christian. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them, obey the, uh, make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. 
And consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I've certainly started a few forest fires myself with uh, little things that I felt like I had to say. Um, I, I, I'm speaking most generally about, or most uh, often about, you know, uh, uh, starting a dispute or continuing a dispute between me and my wife because, hey, I got to be right or I got to be smart or I got to be funny. Um, and that can start a great fire. You all got very quiet. All the married guys got real quiet there. <laughs> um, James is telling us, kind of using three different analogies here to say the same thing. He uses the analogy again of the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship. I'm in the Navy, so I know what those words mean. Um, and a spark and a great fire. What's he saying? He's saying the tongue is a very small cause that can have a very large effect. He continues, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, now that's encouraging, isn't it? Great. Um... Corrupt, I underlined this word. Um, the word used is to stain, which I think brings in a nice um, image. Stains the whole body, stains your life. The things you say can be a stain on your witness. They can be a stain even on your actions. James giving the, the impression here that the things you say become the things you do. Untamable, full of evil. Does that sound familiar? Is there anything else we talk about that's untamable, full of evil? This is audience participation time. That's it, okay. Well, it was a long time ago. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can tame it? It's a restless evil. Um, Jesus talking to the disciple uh, to the sorry to Pharisees who were concerned about ritual washing before they eat and before they eat, and he says, "Don't you know it's the things that come out of the mouth that come from the heart? These are the things that make a man unclean." Several references you'll find to the heart being a source of evil. The heart that is our problem. We have a heart problem. He says at the end, no human being can tame the tongue. So, you know, what? Is there no hope for us? Well, we know there is, and we're going to move on to that a little bit. But this is uh, it definitely giving a strong message here that this tongue is a problem for us. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I have this salt spring inside me, right? Now I try to produce fresh water with it. I praise my, I praise my Lord and Savior. I, I 
encourage my children. I love my wife with this same tongue, but it is a salt spring in there, and it occasionally produces bitter water. And, uh, you know, so it's not really only the unrighteous, unseeking, unsaved who have a problem with their tongues, right? Just like we wouldn't, I imagine none of us would say it's only the unrighteous, unseeking, unsaved that problem with their hearts. We all have this sin living inside us. Um, and I, I'm going to do it again. Uh, I, I, think, I think my last three uh, times up here I've said something from Romans 7 Oh boy. Yeah, got him. They're just in a different pocket. Thank you, though. Look at my man ready to hook me up. Thank you. For what I am doing, this is Paul to the room. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it but sin which dwells in me. I, I could relate with Paul, you know, the times after having said something to someone that I regret, you know, whether it be a wife or a friend or coworker or boss or, you know, is I can look back on that. <laughs> it's exactly what I didn't want to say. As, as uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the comedian Mike Berbiglia, he says, what I should have said was nothing. Um, or as, and I, and I had a boss when I first got to the uh, um, Pentagon, he had some rules of the Pentagon on his wall, and one of them is never miss a good opportunity to shut up. Um, or if you want to be a little more state, statesman-like, attributed to Abraham Lincoln, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove doubt. So... Um, <laughs> Something in there pushes these words out. If I don't have my bridle on my tongue, if I'm not watching it, they come right out. But we do have hope. You know, Paul says later, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He will set us free from that death. Sin living inside me, in my heart that does this. Moving on, James talks about two kinds of wisdom. Um, he talks about earthly wisdom. If you, bitter, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Now, is ambition a bad thing? Of course not. It gets us off the couch. It puts us here at 6 in the morning. It helps us develop, design, execute, launch rockets into space and land on the moon. Ambition is a good thing, but it can have bad fuel. If you are seeking popularity, power, wealth, if these are the things that are fueling your ambition, it can certainly make it a bad thing. Even 
Even these good things we do, even noble causes we serve. Uh, I am reminded of uh, Marty's timely uh, commentary on Sunday about the the man going into the temple to to make his uh, ties, and he's got the guy blowing on the on the horn behind him. Hey, look what I did, right? So he has a noble cause to contribute to his church. He has an ignoble um, motivation. He wants popularity, right? So be aware of those noble causes. Even can. Not, necess- not, not only even can, but maybe even a little more uh, uh, significantly can. Because we can, we can kind of cloak these things in, in, in righteousness, what we're doing. So we must be very careful about that. These ignoble motivations can slip out in our speech. Kind of, I, 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 I say, if we're lucky, they'll slip out in our speech and a brother come alongside us, perhaps a, care- a loving spouse, gently, will tell us, hey, you know, you may want to check your motivation on this. Something's leaking out. Um, Because our tongues betray our hearts. Secondly, Paul talks about heavenly wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. He talks about the good life and deeds done in humility. This is um, partially a restatement of the faith demonstrated by works that he mentioned earlier. Also, a little bit of a preview of James 4, humility and submission. I think Dallas will be talking to you about next week. So when you're driving home all full of self-righteousness from being at the men's retreat and what you've accomplished there, Dallas going to knock you down a peg or two uh, next Tuesday morning. Let's look at uh, these adjectives uh, used to describe James' wisdom from heaven. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, Merciful, fruitful, impartial, sincere. Does that call anything? Audience participation time again. Y'all kind of blew it last time. I'm sorry, I'm going to give you another chance. Call to mind anything else from the Bible. Fruits of the Spirit. See, I knew somebody's going to say fruits of the Spirit, so I was ready. Yes, fruits of the Spirit. And? I should have gone with fruits of the Spirit. I went with the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul's perfect love, patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, not proud, not rude, not selfish, peaceful. I would submit also the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and I'll pretend I don't remember the last three else. I might sound righteous. Um, there's definitely a correlation here between love, the fruit, wisdom, what's going to happen, what you're going to be doing with your tongue. So this is uh, James's remedy number two. Purify the heart. When love displaces selfishness in your heart, then you don't have that stuff coming up that your bridle on your tongue has to keep in your, inside your mouth. You, you ease up, uh, you, you take a little bit of the load off of your, uh, 
off of your teeth to stop those words coming out if they don't come up in the first place from your heart. Finally, Paul, or Paul, James wraps up, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. What a great image, uh, again, uh, reaping that harvest. If you can enter into a situation where there's tension, where there's dispute, where there's hostility, and you can insert peace, you have done the Lord's righteousness, right? I used to watch a lot of cops with my boys. This was if, if maybe my one good parenting uh, tip is watch cops with your boys. Now, it has had the attribute where my, now my oldest son says he wants to become a cop. So there is, there is that to be aware of. But you will watch these situations where a policeman walks up to a crowd. A group, let's say, I don't mean a crowd, but let's say six or eight people who aren't getting along. And it's, the tension is rising, the heat is coming up, something's going to boil. And a policeman can walk into that situation and he can insert peace into that if he's a good, if he's a good cop. Um, this is something that, that I've always been impressed with policemen about. Is you can walk into this situation and you can bring down the emotion level. Because you're, you're there to make peace. A peace officer, if you will, right? Now, we've all also heard stories and probably seen, or seen illustrations of cops who don't do it right. They get into the situation and it gets worse. But um, my prayer for my son, uh, if, you know, if Lord willing, he becomes a policeman, is he'll be that kind of person, I think he is, who can walk into a situation and bring down the emotion level, to insert peace and end a dispute. Can it be perceived as weakness? Sure. It can be misperceived as weakness. And, and don't get me wrong. We have a responsibility to stand between good and evil. And, and peace might not always be the immediate tool necessary to provide that protection of the good from the evil. But it is our goal, peace. One of the commentators I read, I, I liked the, what he, how he wrote it. The flaming tongue of anger begins a dispute and quenching words of peace and humility will end it. And again, referring back to James 1.20, this is the type of righteousness that God desires, not anger. So my closing, put it in your pocket takeaway, bridle the tongue, Pray for a change in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit come in to change your heart to one of peace and wisdom. And sow peace where you have the opportunity. Now, um, this next slide, I tried to show this picture last time and it didn't come up for whatever reason. I got some nice comments about my verbal description of my grandfather and I appreciate those. But let's see if the real picture comes up this time. Um, because it's... It was, it's relevant today as it was when I spoke before. This man is, is someone I call a wise peacemaker. I, um, I carry his name. It's my prayer that I can carry his spirit of sort of grace and wisdom and calm um, to my family, to my community. This is Jack Neal. He's just made peace with a couple of bass that um, he's invited to dinner. Um, always fishing in his in his dress shirt and his slacks. I don't know if all the shirts had an ink stain on them or that might even be from the photo. I don't know. But um, this is a man who grew up in dry times in West Texas and then oil booms and worked in banking, um, always in touch with his community, 
always ready with a calm, peaceful way of telling you how you blew it. <laughs> One that made you walk away feeling good, though. Um, never, never saw the need to be the funniest guy, but he was hilarious. Never, know, never saw the need to be the smartest guy, truly wise and truly peaceful guy. I pray for everyone to have an example like this, someone to think about in your life who's, who, who you can carry forward um, as you go. That's all I have for you, um, except for a few questions. Thank you for your time. Thanks for being here.